Hello out there, podcast listeners. Thank you for downloading this episode of Animusings. I just want to come here and let you know beforehand that we had some technical difficulties recording this episode, and they should be readily apparent once we get into it. Uh, while we recorded the first 10 minutes with our guests, uh, Alex and Heather, uh, for Peter Pan, we for some reason did not get any of their audio until our internet kind of uh, fell out and we had to start over again. So we're the first 10 minutes are going to be, we're going to include the opening that we did and then we're going to jump ahead to after that. And the rest of the episode is intact, but the first part got kind of corrupted. So I want to apologize for that. Um, I hope that that turns out okay. Uh, and But I think for the most part, everything should be fine. So we're going to go ahead and just acknowledge that there was a mistake made, a technical error, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Animusings nonetheless. Thank you for listening, and without uh, further ado, let's go off to Neverland. So you want me to do the Catherine Beaumont voice this time? Yes, I do. Okay. For your safety, remember to stay seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the pirate ship. And do watch your children. See you in Everland. <laughs> you do it better than I do. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, does it help that I'm a woman, though? I mean... Para su seguridad, sentados en las manos, brazos, pies y piernas dentro del barco. You're welcome. You know, I don't think that's nearly as bad as the racism we're going to see. <laughs> it's not racist if it's just telling... <laughs> it's not racist if you're just getting the safety spiel for the ride in Spanish. That's true. Okay. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, welcome to Animusings. It feels like it's been a while, but really, it hasn't. Not really. <laughs> a month? It's been a month. Yeah. It's been a it's been a month. We hey, we're back in our apartment again. I know, it's great. It's great to be back in our apartment again. I'm so happy about that. So we're recording here and uh, we are happy to report that today, tonight, whenever you all listen to this, we're dealing with uh, Walt Disney Animation's fourteenth feature length film and one of my childhood favorites, Peter Pan. Okay, that looks good. Alright. Um and I know that we we I had kind of talked we had talked about how Walt was in a production. I'm gonna go ahead and just be honest. Uh, so, so we made a little quick adjustment here, everybody. We had some technical difficulties downstairs, uh, trying to, you know, get a, a good portable quiet recording going. But we've moved, and uh, we should have a more solid connection now. So uh, apologies for that. Uh, everything should be good. And uh, we just kind of commiserated off mic about uh, where we left off. So. Um, uh, where did we leave off? I guess, I mean, gave the basics. Uh, they started filming again, and then um, uh, Peter Pan was eventually released on February 5th, 1953. Okay. And uh, their budget was $4 million. All right. Respectable. And, yes. Well, or, no, no, that's the budget they had. Which, no, I'm saying that's a respectable budget. Well, I mean, that's how much Cinderella was, remember? Mm-hmm. Which is still quite a gamble at the time. Yeah. Uh, they... Now, I need to make this clear first. Uh, 
They did well. <laughs> How well? <laughs> Do we want to take guesses? Okay. Um, okay. One dollar. <laughs> they made four million and one dollars. Okay, so... Yay. You're the highest without going over. <laughs> uh, during its initial box office run, the film grossed seven million. Wow. Yes, but in its lifetime... It has made $87.4 million. Woo-hoo. Now, adjusted for inflation, it has a light, lifetime gross of $405 million. <whistles> yeah. Dang. Well, another one of Walt's gambles paid off. Yep. <laughs> how much of that uh, How much of that had to go to the um, uh, hospital for sick children? I wouldn't know. That, oh. actually, that was not shown at all. Oh, because it's only I think it's only fair that, you know, Walt give back. Just saying. Much like J.M. Barry did. Mm. Uh, now, now Heather, you were saying you, you were pre- you're pretty familiar with uh, the, the lore behind, like, the broader Peter Pan, right? Yes. Um, I've also read, you know, in addition to um, watching all of the versions of Peter Pan, I'm also... I've also read the original novel of Peter Pan. I have as well, and I've seen plenty of different versions. Do you have a favorite uh, version of Peter Pan? Um, I really like Peter Pan and the Pirates. That was, I think, one of my favorites. Well, Tim Curry as the Captain Hook. I remember yes. when I was a little kid, it, it threw me off because Captain Hook was blonde. <laughs> he didn't look like the Disney version. That threw me off, No, he too. didn't look like the Disney version, and pretty much... Most of the productions were sort of modeling themselves off of the Disney version. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Hook's, Hook's got a very specific look to him, you know? And I'm yeah. not even sure if that's Disney who codified that, or if that might just be what the stage production always did. I think so. I think that's just, you know, Hook, interesting, well, well hmm, I mean, we'll get to Hook. We'll, we'll talk about Captain Hook, because Captain Hook is oh, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's put a pin in hook. Let's put a hook on hook. Let's put a hook in hook. Yes. We'll, we'll hook, we'll, we'll reel hook in later. Um, we'll go hook line. Damn it. <laughs> that I'm was... going to have to censor that. Um, TikTok, David. TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Hey, no kidding. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, this film did well. Uh, and money happened. Yeah. <laughs> So good for good for Disney. However, however, funny enough, even though the film was extremely successful, Walt was actually dissatisfied with the finished product. Oh, boo! Hmm. And, uh, the reason why is he felt that Peter Pan was cold and unlikable. And I guess we could decide for ourselves going into it if we feel that way. But a lot of people who are, like, a lot of experts on um, J.M. Barry's play actually said this is true to the story because Pan is actually written as a heartless sociopath. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's a fairy. Like... I mean, he's a, he's a fairy. Like, you know, it's one of the themes of the books that they don't get into, obviously, in the production is that lost boys die and die frequently. And Peter Pan doesn't notice or remember them. I thought, didn't it go as far as to say that when they got too old, Peter thinned them out? Yeah. Yes. It was Peter thinned them out. And um, later on, when Peter comes back to visit Wendy later on, 
Tinkerbell's gone, and she asks about Tinkerbell, and he can't even remember Tinkerbell. Yeah, he's he actually is an amnesiac. Oh. Like, he... That's right. And the idea behind this is that uh, Peter Pan is... I mean, he has the mental capacity of a child. And mm. therefore, he has to keep that childlike mentality. He can never grow older. Right. So as people go grow older around him he forgets about that he doesn't learn right he's in the he's in this mind space of adults are just on the periphery yes like unless you're captain hook or well but okay uh I, i'm not sure if we should like discuss this before we get into the movie or we should discuss this now or well i mean this is gonna be a this is probably gonna be a dense one just because i think we all kind of are interested in the broader lore of peter pan and i think that's a safe bet yeah yeah so the so, but I want to keep it as clear. We could keep it to the the movies where we could probably touch on what's different about the movie compared to this version of Peter Pan compared to the books or compared to other people's interpretations of of the you know some of the mythology that's come since Peter Pan existed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I think we can safely delve into a lot of it while we're here. So strap in, everyone. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a, a bumpy flight. <laughs> ah, ah, I get it. Uh, what do you think we should just go ahead and... Well, let's go into the movie, like, kind of go a little bit into it, and then we could start comparing what's said about in the movie to the book itself. Okay, well, let's or, start... Or the play, or all uh, other works of Peter Pan. All right, well, let's start with the title sequence, just because, like many Disney movies, it has a great opening credit sequence with lots of beautiful, beautiful illustrations, usually most of them showing Neverland at night. And, and this has... Without a doubt, one of my favorite Disney songs ever, which is Second Star to the Right. It's actually mm. one of my favorites. Uh, fun fact, the melody was actually written for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, the song was going to be called Beyond the Laughing Sky. Huh. Really? Yeah, but they used it for Peter Pan instead for this song. So. I have a really tough time imagining the lyrics being anything but what you hear in Second Star to the Right. Yeah. I just find this song weirdly beautiful for some reason. There's just something about it. It's haunting. Yeah, it's It's haunting. haunting. Yeah. It's like, I've heard versions of this uh, played in different places. Uh, There's a beautiful version that's played at Club 33, if you've heard the soundtrack for that. Oh, yeah. There's a a choral version of it that's done on an album called Hi-Ho Mozart. Oh, I love that. And uh, it has brought me to tears. (laughs) It's be- it actually is beautiful. Also, this is the final film with all nine old men. And Mark Davis. And Mark Davis. Not the final oh. film with Mark Davis, but it's just funny because we, we were like, look, the nine old men. And Mark Davis. <laughs> and then Up Iwerks is in there. Up, uh, yep. Good cast. It's a really good cast. Or like a good crew, too. I mean, yeah. But what if the, what if the voice cast? Oh, oh. wait. Well, I should mention also, we have, once again, Harvey Toombs, uh, uh, Claude Coates. Claude Coates and Mary Blair are credited for doing a lot of the, uh... Animation. Well, a lot of, yeah, especially the, like, the backgrounds weren't necessarily credited to them, but they were, like, key, key artists for this one. I'm trying to remember what their specific credit was. But you, it shows. Neverland, like, this, this movie has my favorite, uh, one of my favorite color palettes of a Disney film. It is gorgeous. It is a, this movie drips with, like, fantasy and adventure. And it comes off, especially, I love the, like, distant shots of Neverland and the, 
I mean, we'll get to those, but... But, yeah, sorry, David Knight, this is David Knight's, like... I need to gush so much about certain parts of this movie, and then really, <laughs> really get on the case of other parts of this movie. I know. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, we get into uh, learning about the Darling family, and, uh... <sighs> Jay, er, is her name Jay? Or... Ma Mary, it? there's Mary Darling? Mary, I'm sorry. Mary! Unless I find my cufflinks, I can't go to the party. And if we don't go to the party, I can never show my face in the office again. And if I can never show... Ow! His yeah. nebulous office job. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we got George and Mary Darling, and their three kids. Uh, older Wendy Darling, who's 12, I think, and then uh, John, who's like 8, I think, and then Michael's two or three, something of that nature. Michael, I think, is more around, like, four. But, yeah, but, I mean, at four... I'm trying to think, like, at four, would you wear footy... Well, it is... It's, 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 it's turn of the century. Yeah, we're, like, talking late 1800s, early 1900s London. It all started in London. Oh, yeah, this is told... It, like, it's n no doubt London. By the way, um, carrying on with tradition, as, as anybody who knows... Um, uh, typically in the in the play, I think this was, this got started with the, the plays. This is the, the this was started with the play. Yes. Yeah. So the actor who plays Mister Darling all also plays Captain Hook. Yep. Which has great symbolic meaning to the whole thing, and it was it would be really fun to touch on. This is true here. The same voice actor who is uh, Hans. Hi. I'm gonna butcher the name. Hans Conrad. Yes. Hans Conrad. Con Conrad. 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 I, I don't. I, I... It's got a weird spelling. He plays uh, Mr. Darling here and eventually plays Hook. And while they are different in, uh, enough in the way that they're portrayed, they still have the same bluster. And if you really listen, yeah, you know it's the same guy, but they're he's doing the voice differently enough. Now, he's so good. I love this, act, this, voice, this actor. Act, voice actor. Oh, Catherine he, a, he does a great job. Yeah. Isn't that, what do you think of that, that idea, though, that Hook and the father are played by the same actor? That's. I mean, it kind of works into the idea of the adults in your life being the enemy um mm. in the original story captain hook was a former mean school teacher oh that's right uh. and um in the movie hook you know it was really about in the movie hook itself it was really about like your relationship with your parents so i think it's sort of adds to a higher meaning where what the kids are fighting is the father who's pushing them to grow up. Right. It, it strikes me as one of those cases of informed in adaptation where it wasn't something that the author originally intended, but I think is entirely within the spirit of their work. Oh, yeah. I think that's what's most fascinating to me about Peter Pan in general. And the thing we're going to keep coming back to is the way people have built it, built on it as time has gone by. Oh, yeah. Because J.M. Barry wrote a modern fairy tale. Yeah, basically. A literal, exactly. a literal fairy tale. And With literal fairies not being good. Yeah. Yeah, the and fairies the are awful. Everybody like, everybody in Neverland is awful. Yes. <laughs> which we which we could get into. I'm, I'm like, oh, God, I have so many. This is, I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this episode. <laughs> and you guys, you guys know me when it comes to modern, modern day fairy tales. It's one of those things I can go on and on about. Oh yeah. Well, that's why you, um, you two are here. <laughs> yeah. On, on an aside, speaking about the introduction of the, of the movie, 
when I was a little kid and watching this, I was terrified of being an adult because I thought being an adult meant you had to wear that sort of shirt front that Mr. Uh... Darling wore. <laughs> and I thought for sure I'd never be able to do it. Aww. You know, this is like six-year-old me being like, I don't, I can barely like button a shirt reliably. How am I going to wear this like additional shirt on top of my shirt? <laughs> why would you wear an additional shirt on top of your shirt like that? I, I don't know. That's why it was so confusing. It's so odd. So, I mean, glossing, glossing over some of it, we, we could jump ahead. Uh, we get the introduction of the kids. And by the way, uh, we got Catherine Beaumont uh, once again uh, as, a, as a delightful British girl. Right, fresh off of her role as Alice, and now here she is again as Wendy. So, and it's it's kind of weird how much she sounds like when uh, sounds like Alice, and I yet mean, she's more. Uh, I would I would argue Wendy is way more mature than Alice. Oh, absolutely. Because Alice is Alice is younger than than Wendy, right? Oh, yeah, uh, Alice is supposed to be like eight, and Wendy is supposed to be twelve, turning thirteen. Right. Which um. I, I kind of find funny that, uh, oh my gosh. So, I mean, the whole movie begins with, like, um, uh, like, the dad, uh, is all upset because, uh, he's basically being held back from, or taking longer to, like, get ready for this party and is mad at Wendy, uh, but, like, John and Michael are just being kids or pretending to be pirates and fighting and like with the coat like coat hanger or <laughs> she's holding a coat hanger or a, a, a coat hanger for a hook i actually did that as a kid like so yeah. did i yeah i think everybody did <laughs> yeah uh i think it's funny that in this version they already know about peter pan and about hook and about neverland yeah because wendy would tell mm. the stories and then um uh it, one of the funny things is like the dog nana is the most responsible dog in this whole, like, most responsible character in this whole damn movie, let's face it. Oh, Amanda's great. What was funny is, that always amused me, is when I read the book years later, that was true for the book as well. Like, Disney didn't make that up. Yeah. Nana the dog was their nursemaid. Uh Uh-huh. And... The, oh, the Darling family has some uh, ha- are ha- are very uh, progressive in terms of their <laughs> hires. Oh, yes. By the way, you know how uh, the um, Nana is preparing like this uh, this tonic or like the this medicine thing for them. Mm-hmm. So um, that tonic may have been morphine because it was common during that time to give children soothing syrups to control their behavior. And these concoctions, oh, yeah. and these concoctions tend to have like different narcotics, and that means more morphine. So <laughs> these kids probably just took morphine. Morphine which, administered. Which you kind of wonder if that affected Wendy's imagination at all. <laughs> None of the movie happened. It's all <laughs> in the head. Which is why, they, which is why their dad is Captain Hook. Yes. I, I, yes. I want to believe that this is all in Wendy's head. I, I, I kind of want to believe this is all in Wendy's head. But but uh, we'll get into that later on. But, like, um, uh, Wendy, it's funny because, like, uh, uh, Dad's all angry. And here's what he threatens her with. He says, it's your last night in the nursery. You're getting your own room. And she looks yeah. so saddened. 
And I'm like, we were joking about that. I was like, oh man, I would have been excited. I don't have to share a room with my brothers. I know. I'm like, I had to share a room with my sister for years. So did I. I yeah. I would have been ecstatic if I was told, no, you're not sharing a bed with your siblings anymore. You have to grow up and get your own room. Yes! Well, especially when you compare Wendy, how she is. Like, she's very calm and collected and just kind of dealing with things with her brothers while they're throwing they're throwing things around and tearing bed sheets with wooden swords and they're being rambunctious, you know, and she's just kind of doing her thing in the background. I'm like, Wendy, wouldn't you want to get away from this? Yeah, I know. But maybe not, though. Maybe she finds it endearing. Maybe, you know, I get the impression Wendy, the reason Wendy's so okay with being a mother is she's enjoying kind of, maybe because the, the her parents are so busy, she she's kind of the mother, fig- mother figure for the boys. Well, also because their nursemaid is a dog. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. Well, it also goes back to, like, the idea of being a girl and being a woman where... If she grew up, she would be separated from her brothers and no longer, like, okay, now you no longer play and do boy things. Because when they they were a kid, they'd be like, whatever, children play together, they do children things. Now you're a woman, so now you have to do woman things. Oh, true. Uh... So it's not, so moving to her own room is also representative of her growing up. I mean, that's the whole thing. Very much so, yeah. And... As a lot of the theme of the movie is how much being a girl kind of sucks. We've noticed yeah. this actually as we were we were watching it. We we pointed out that there there is a lot of women against women in this movie. <laughs> a lot. A like, lot. None of the women get along. None. No. None. And and only one of the only the only one of the uh, women. In the, well, only one of the three prominent female characters in this movie has a voice, a real genuine voice, oh or my any God, lines yeah. whatsoever. Tink's, yeah. Tinkerbell speaks in, well, Tink speaks, and I think you get one vo- vocal clip from Tiger Lily, and it's... Which calls for help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's right when she's about to drown, so... But yeah, um, we'll, we'll be observing this as we go. Um, this might, you know, this might not be as, stor- as beat-for-beat story as other ones we've done because we like usually we go through and talk about specific bits but I'm, we're kind of all over the place yeah and we're kind of couched in the beginning right now but uh i mean we can continue i just love this movie no. i love to talk about it <laughs> well if we, as we continue on like uh uh they've left and they're you know, the parents have left and doing their <laughs> phone thing and i love we- i love the bit by the way there, there is something i noticed i love how everybody is delightfully british except michael or no. <laughs> no, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I never noticed that. <laughs> Mother, buried treasure. I mean, while you got John, who's like a oh, spit spot mother, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> and then Catherine Beaumont actually is British, so right. And then the, I think the best, the great thing is, um, I, one of us, I think I joked like, "Hey, how old do children? Uh, how old do you become as a child to suddenly get an accent?" <laughs> Like when does that develop? Good point. You have to you have to you have to go through your accent ceremony first. Yes. <laughs> um, I always get the impression from John's John's performance that he's like playing up his Britishiness. 
I, I I feel like that was a bit in the and in, in various versions I've seen. Like well, um, there's a in the play where John is like where the the hook is trying to get them to join the pirates, and John says, "Can we still be respectable subjects of King George?" Yeah. Well, but here's a here's another thing. Actually, um, in the, one of the original drafts, Walt Disney was thinking of making John more like his dad, kind of go against uh, like this whole thing, like uh, try to be more. Like, no, I am not doing this. Like, right. Kind of the stick in the mud and feel, like, agree more with his dad, but then that changed. Um, so, but I think because of that, they still kept the whole respectable uh, British child. He's he's trying very hard to be, like, the, the imperial stereotype a little bit, but also the older brother. Yeah. This especially comes yeah. to play when they get to Neverland. Oh, but. yeah. Very, very much so, yeah. <laughs> he's very British, though. He's... Very British. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that poor kid is going to go to World War Two, or World War One. Uh, you, know, you know what's sad is we 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 don't get that when when. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> he's gonna fight yeah. World War One. He's What's from it? a well-off family. He'll be an officer away from the front lines. Yeah. You know, um, one thing they mentioned in the beginning of the movie is that everybody in the house believes in Peter Pan to a degree, which is why he visits. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bit there that's missing from from the movie that I always liked in the in the book is when so Mrs. Darling she says oh yes of course and just turns out uh, in uh, well before that um, Wendy had before the movie started uh, caught Peter's shadow yes that is been in the book it's Mrs. Darling and Nana who get the shadow oh that's right and then they lock it up like no no more of this. Right. Whereas Wendy's more like, hey, I've got the shadow, and if Peter comes back, I'm going to keep it safe so he can get it. Yeah, she says she found it from, uh, she says Nana caught it. Right. And she's she's keeping it safe, yeah. Right. Which, but, which actually, well, I think it kind of plays in the whole thing that it's the kid, it's all in the kids' minds, or like, the, this is just a child thing. Because you can see the mom's look on their face like, Huh. Right. Okay. That reinforces that this could all just be in the kids' imaginations. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's or a little Wendy's imagination. Wendy specifically, I guess. But um, but in the in the original story, it was Mrs. Darling who kept the shadow. And there's a nice bit where she, when she turns out the light, she actually asks the night lights to protect her sleeping children. Yeah, Burn clear and steadfast tonight. Oh yeah, and they did that in reference and hook. <laughs> that was so sweet. When Wendy does it, it was so it was adorable. Um. But uh, they, but they leave. They, they leave, and then we get our first glimpse at Peter Pan looking creepy as. All oh God! It's a terrifying shot. Yeah. yeah. When just Tink like lights up his face, and then it's like he has a like black along his eyes. And you're like ah. And he's got this grin. I'm like, wow, what a cab- what a what an establishing shot that is. So uh, they really play up this the, like the mischief angle with him in these oh, shots. Yeah. He's framed against the full moon on a cloud. You know a. a and he's all in silhouette. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, Bobby Driscoll voices uh, this, um, voices Peter Pan, which Dave and I know as the kid from Song of the South. Mm-hmm. Who gets hit by a bull. <laughs> <laughs> hit and run. He also played Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island. That's right, which we don't discuss because it's not animated at all. But it was significant because Treasure Island was Walt Disney's first uh, full live-action feature film. Yes. But yeah. uh, also, fun fact: this is the, Bobby Driscoll is actually the first male to play Peter Pan. Before this, it was always female. The first male ever to play Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Wow! 
On film, sorry, on, on film. film. Okay. On film, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they'd always cast um, young women, young yeah. women, because at the age that you would need somebody to play Peter Pan for a two and a half or three hour stage show, they usually wouldn't be able to keep track of their lines and their blocking and their choreography. That makes sense. I've seen some, yeah, and some um, some really phenomenal women have played Peter Pan over the years too. Mm. So it's like a, that's another tradition. You yeah. see a lot in a lot of stage productions, uh, high quality stage productions of Peter Pan. They still do that. There's still a woman playing the role. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. And the, and now when they're doing modern films, since they can break, take cuts, and you know, shot, reverse shot, intercut, and edit everything together, they can bring in a younger actor who might not be as good as a stage actor would do. Mm-hmm. because they don't have that limitation of, okay, now you have to deliver these three and a half hours worth of lines. You just need to focus on specifically what you're doing today. Today, Exactly. <laughs> um, so Peter and Tink show up, uh, and they come looking for the shadow, and we get that first shot of Peter, and of course, mischief is established immediately just from that first shot of his face that we kind of see through in Silhouette. With Tink's glow, but let but let's talk about let Tink for a second because so, fun fact. Uh, so you know how everybody said, "Oh, Tinkerbell was based on Marilyn Monroe's figure." Not true at all. Complete myth. Uh, Figured. Tink- yes, Tinkerbell is actually based on the. She's actually she's the voice actress. Um, uh, she's actually the voice actress for the red-haired mermaid later on, and her name is Margaret Carey. And her measurements are 35, 25, 36. Yeah. You can't see it, but I'm raising my eyebrows. And, but she was 22 at the time. Oh. So she was, she was young. Yeah. I mean. But also Catherine Beaumont served as, the, <laughs> served as uh, Wendy's, uh, not just voice actress, but model as well. That, so. that makes sense. Uh, she used to, she joked like she had to keep flapping her arms quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder she, like when I noticed like uh, they don't have to flap their arms when they fly. I was thinking about this during the movie. Wendy does. Yeah. Yeah. I was noticing that. She just does it out of habit. And I think, uh. And that contributes to the idea that when people, when the Lost Boys see her, they think she's a Wendy bird. Yep. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that till just now when you mentioned that. And I was like, oh man. She doesn't have to flap her arms, but she does. It's, like, psych- psychological. Yeah. Well, probably because she's getting older and starting to lose some of the the kid things of, I just, you know. Oh. Just fly. That's deep. I like that. She has to flap harder. Yep. Um, actually, um, but, um, but Tink, let, Tink, I want to talk, I want to talk about. Tinkerbell? I want to talk Tink, because she's great. Tink is a great character, despite having no speaking lines. Well, she's very. First off, she's she, the most. She's one of the most interesting characters, just because she's the most one of the most flawed characters. Oh yeah. Well, um, she's she's so. Her expressions are so animated. They are, and I don't, and I don't mean that because literally she's drawn. I mean because she doesn't have any dialogue. They put. They definitely put an extra effort to have every motion, every look she gives, convey what she's saying that's 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 very that's a good statement (laughs) sorry you're absolutely right um she like just just the the way her eyes look in certain shots and like i love when 
you don't see her her face like when she's under a thimble and then she starts to turn red and she'll push the thimble up and she just looks like she's gonna kill somebody well the funny part in the book um it is described that because she's so small she can only have one emotion at a time oh yeah that's right um also there's a bit there i love when she she lands on the mirror and she looks down at her reflection like checking herself out like going damn you know but then she like puts her hands on her waist and keeps them at the same height holds them up and goes like and i'm like no tink don't be don't be ashamed of your of your figure you're you're just the way you are tink (laughs) if you lift now people would be like she thick (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm not really that sorry so anyway anyway they, they they find finally find the shadow and then Wendy wakes up and is Because like... Peter makes an absolute mess of the place. Oh, did we mention that uh, Nana has had essentially... Thank there was you. some good slapstick earlier involving Nana, a block for it, and Mr. Darling, and now she's uh, tied up to a rope outside? No, but now you just did. Okay, there we go. Just want to establish why Nana's not there for those of you who for some reason only listen to us and then don't watch the movie. For those who have never watched Peter Pan before, is like, what? You're not getting the short version tonight. No. <laughs> so, yeah, and then Wendy talks a lot because stereotypes, everybody. <laughs> Girls talk too much. It's like one of the first major things Peter says. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, basically Peter has offered to say, is like, comes by her... Uh, room often because she tells stories about Peter Pan and he's a... Conceited? Yeah, there we go. That's Conceited? <laughs> not me. It's just... Sorry. <laughs> Basically, it's like, yeah, I want to hear more stories about myself. And then she says, oh, this is my last night in the nursery. He's like, oh no, no more stories about myself. I can't, I can't, like, stroke my ego more well let me kidnap you so we can go so that way i can hear more stories it's about not myself. kidnapping if they're willing he also and, wants her to be the lost boy's mother yeah that's he he fails to mention that the well as far as i understand it in in the, the movie's reality in neverland once you get there anybody who goes there stops growing up yeah they, and they, they, stay, and, they stay a fixed age in in this movie yes that's the idea is that they stay at that same age. Whereas in the books, it was established that only Peter doesn't grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as far as I, I know, the problems that, that hit the, uh, the... The problems of thinning out the Lost Boys are not persistent in this universe because the Lost Boys also stay the same age. So my theory yeah. for this is that it's actually in the, in the... In the actual stories, like the book and all that, it's Neverland is Peter's world. Like, right. this is yeah. all... Peter's creation, um, he, and it, it, and it makes sense there. In, I think in the movie, this is Wendy's dream. Okay. Mm. And I think this yeah. is all in Wendy's head. The reason why is, one, she has a fear of growing up. That this is actually a fear of hers right now. Right. Because her dad's just yelled at her and all that, so now she's been basically given an out off of stories she has told to her brothers of um this guy uh taking her away and bringing her to a place where she does not have to grow up so basically making her dreams come to reality but there are dangers there too different sorts of dangers yes but 
just just come along with me, kid, to the holiday house. I mean, Neverland. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, uh, wonderful. Hey, they both fly. Hey, that's true. That's that true. true. <laughs> One of them doesn't leak a leak a flatulent gas though when he gets deflated. <laughs> um, but uh, she, although always, although the anyway. weird the weird part is she's like, I'm so happy. I want to kiss you, and I'm like. That's very brazen of you. As a 12-year-old, I would have been... I, that thought would have never occurred to me. Wendy is 12 going on 13. But, now. okay, but as a, someone who is... Who say, who's to say that when, if this is Wendy's... If this is all from Wendy's, like, wish fulfillment, mm-hmm. who's to say she doesn't want a handsome young boy to swoop in and, and carry her off? Who's mischievous so she can tame him and get him to be less of a troublemaker. Oh, that's true. Like, this is, if this is Wendy's fantasy, she's in control here. So the fact that she wants to give him a kiss is, like, her kind of still figuring out, like, her emerging feelings for boys. So, yeah. Just a theory. So she's about to kiss him, and then Tinkerbell's like, uh, no, that's my man. (laughs) And pulls on her hair, and... Wakes up the boys and and then they talk some and then they talk and stuff and they talk and stuff. And <laughs> eventually, this leads to them saying, "Yeah, we're gonna go all fly together." And uh, it takes faith, trust, and pixie dust. All right, everybody, let's get out of here. Woo 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 woo. Second start at the right and straight on till morning. The second wait, no, that's the wrong song. It's you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. This they, is pro- arguably this is the the more famous song of the movie. Yeah, you can fly. I think this is the most famous song in the whole film well i mean when there's a smile in your heart there's no better time to start now it also shows how ubiquitous like the movie shrek came in because when the song started up and they did the they started singing the he can fly he can fly i as we were watching each other i go he can talk (laughs) (laughs) he can talk he can talk he can talk he can talk i can sing (laughs) thank you thank you thank you i figured someone would pick up on that um, so they, they get the pixie dust, and, um... This is, oh, by the way... Ontink is not willing to give the pixie dust here. No, he has to just grab shake her. shake her. Yeah, shake her. just shake, 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 shake her like a salt shaker. Get all that, that, those, those dead fairy skin cells off of her. God He has it. to, he has to knock it off of her. Oh, that's Michael, right. Michael, Michael turns her upside down and shakes her like a salt shaker. That's right. <laughs> uh, one... One thing uh, Dave and I brought up, uh, the animation in this, especially specifically for the um, movement, is amazing. The animation in this is beautiful. It's really, really well done. Like, like, effort, man. Just effort. Watching the medium evolve, this is is part of the joy of this podcast. And and this is, I I think, uh, yet another high, uh, especially when we get to some of the sword fighting and and stuff that happens oh, later yeah, yeah. like man well and especially getting trying getting a human being to fly oh yeah to, the the image of a human flying on their own volition is is and so fluidly looks looks really good them flying through london and then above the clouds still looks really good it does even what is it 60 it's it's 1953 65 years after the yeah. movie came out. Jeez. But yeah, it's... God, the animation holds up. I, I will give it that. The animation holds up 
beautifully. Um, so I love when they land on the the clock. I love when they land on Big Ben. There's so oh. many uh, iconic shots in it. And I think again, this comes from the Claude Coates, Mary Blair kind of, and then of course the Nine Old Men. Mark, Dave, like, there's just something about the marriage of the backgrounds and the actors. Like, there's a really good interplay between them. Like, their environments are so important in this. Yeah, because there's only two locations really. It's, there's there's London at night and Neverland. Neverland has mm-hmm. its very varieties. Like you go to Skull Rock, you go to the Indian camp, you go to the Hook's ship. But like, still, there's like, there's this great palette that happens, and and there's this like I, I like I was about to say that shot where they land on Big Ben. They're all lit from behind by the clock face. That is so lovely. I love that shot. And they're they're all in silhouette, but there's all their silhouettes. There's a lot of silhouette love in this movie. Oh yeah. They land mm-hmm. on the they land on the and the and the clock starts chiming, and I just I love that shot. Oh yeah, just well the reason the clock chimes is because they land on the minute hand and push it forward to the quarter past the hour. That's right. Now what time is it? If I recall, it's like around what seven eight. It's eleven. It's like. I thought it was closer to eleven fifteen. That would make more sense. Maybe. Too. Um, I remember that there's a sp- they're they're back. By the time they're back um, home again at the end of the movie, the clock's chiming again, and it actually is 11. So I think it was a little earlier than that. Yeah, I think you're right. But I'll have to check. Uh, but even so, they, they fly off. We have this beautiful... You, and plus the music. Yeah. As they're flying. It's such, it's such a good... This is, this is such a good part. Yeah. 8.15 this, was 8:15. the time on the oh, flight. Oh, okay. Thank you. So they were, if you, if we compare it to the end of the movie, they were only gone for like a few hours, three or four hours, really. Um, but off they go to Neverland and they, they fly, I guess, through space, I guess, through time. Who knows? Point is, we are now on the pirate ship and let's face it, the pirate ship, anything with the pirates is like the best part. Oh, yeah. A pirate's life is a wonderful life for roaming over the sea. Give me a career as a buccaneer and a life of a pirate's for me. Oh, the life of a pirate's for me. And then we got Smee introduced, and Smee is an amazing character. Smee is... I'll tell you something right now. Um, there's one character I've always wanted to play in a stage production of Peter Pan if I ever had the chance, and it would be Mr. Smee. Not Captain Hook, weirdly enough. I'd want to, I'd want to play Mr. Smee. Well, Mr. Mr. Smee is a, is a character that you can run with and do a lot of, you can really make him your own. He's he's the he's the comic relief of the pirates. He's Hook's foil, you know. Uh, he's, I I did. Sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was to say I did find it funny that Mr. Smee in this version has this British accent that kind of comes and goes. I noticed. Yeah. Uh, and once I noticed it, I couldn't stop noticing it. <laughs> Well, uh, if it helps. So, uh, the voice actor is Bill Thompson, who actually is American, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he actually was the voice of the White Rabbit in, uh, Alice in Wonderland, but others might know him even more so as Droopy the Dog. Oh! There, there it goes. There it is. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting Speaking of uh, the other, the other odd thing about Mister Smee is he's the ship's cook, in the in the book, in the book. But and he's he's a kind oh. of implied to be that still because of how he's the way he's emerging from the from the like galley. Well, well remember because later on he's like the cook told me. Oh, that's right. So we don't really know what that. So is, is Smee Hook's first mate in the movie? Uh, well, he's like the cook told me that the first mate. Oh, so he's ambiguous. 
Yeah. Yeah. He has- he's sort of he's sort of just like Hook's dog boy. Just sort of the <laughs> just the guy who just does whatever Hook needs him to do. He's the oh. aid, he's the aide de camp. Uh, they call he's he the, does the captain's paperwork. He's the personal assistant. Yeah, he's the aide de camp. Yeah, uh, they, mm. yeah. It says here he personal assistant. Some say actually he's the first mate, but then brings up. I yeah, but I was about to say because in in the book in, in the book the first mate is I think Mister Starkey. Yeah, he's yeah. the bosun in the play. He would and make sense. He make, he'd make actually he'd make a lot of sense as the bosun because he's always the one who's like I noticed like whenever whenever Hook wants him to do anything to get the crew he says you know Mister Smee pipe up the crew and uh, usually that's the bosun's job the bosun is kind of mm. the person who gets the crew rallied. Yeah. Um, and is sort of the the one who represents the crew. So it's hard to place Smee, but he's definitely Hook's right hand man because <laughs> like Hook doesn't have a left hand. Uh, well, well, uh, actually, yes. Okay, so uh, in the play, actually, it's his right hand that's missing. But most of the animators are right-handed, so or m- most right animators are right-handed. So if you'll notice, if you ever watch cartoons. Almost all of the time, cartoons are going to be right-handed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that was going to... That's why they said, oh, you know what? We're going to need to figure out his whole hand set situation. We got to... So they change it to the um, left hand to make it easier on them. Okay. That's fair. But, yeah, actually, because <laughs> it... Because that, that actually, I learned that when... Um, uh, a movie we'll get to later on uh, was Princess and the Frog. Uh, the voice actress uh, um, Anika None Rose of per, uh, Princess and the Frog actually asked the animator for uh, her, the Princess Tiana for Princess and the Frog, can you make her left-handed? Because she's left-handed. Huh. And the animator's like, oh, I mean, yeah, I can. Because that, that's, it, again... They don't, animators don't think like that. They think, oh, I'm right-handed, so the character's right-handed. Right. So, They're basically usually off themselves in their own motion that they can replicate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, that's definitely a challenge if you have to think, oh, well, crap. But. <laughs> so, in one way, Hook is a famous lefty. <laughs> in another way, Tiana in, is a famous lefty. In, uh, yeah, in the play, he's a famous lefty. Yeah. He is a lefty. But in this one, he's... But no, he's still a famous lefty in here because his hand is famous... His left hand is famously chopped off and fed to a (laughs) crocodile, which to this day is pursuing him. And I I love the first scene between Hook and Smee where they're talking about stuff and Hook is frustrated because he still wants to find Peter Pan and he started formulating the plan that if he kidnaps Tiger Lily and forces her to reveal Pan's location, then he can finally get him and get his revenge. Um, and there's this great bit of dark comedy in there where Hook straight up shoots a guy, pulls out his pistol. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. This would never fly in uh, a lot of no. Disney movies today. But it, I just love how casually he just and 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 it's and it's played for completely for laughs. He just sighs as as one of his his crew is up in the up in the uh, crow's nest playing a squeeze box and singing, and Hook just lazily pulls out a pistol and shoots the guy, and he. He falls off the ship off screen with a a, a, a sad accordion noise, <laughs> and that's me is just like oh, shooting a man in the morning, first thing in the morning, and it's like yeah, just a typical day. Definitely sets up who Hook is as a character. Yeah, he's a pirate. He's a gentleman pirate, but a pirate, the elegant Captain Hook. 
it does a good job of setting up the fact that Hook is clearly a dangerous man. Yes. With, without explicitly showing the actual effect of him killing somebody. Right. Yeah. It's very blasé for him. Although, it is interesting because the rest of the crew, and Smee even, are like, why are we still here? Why are we still here obsessed with this kid? Let's leave. We're bored. We're going to mutant. Mm. Because they can't leave. They can never leave. They can never leave. No one's, well, they don't know that. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing is we don't know how the pirates got to Neverland. For all we know, they, they, they happened to stumble upon it one day, weighed anchor, and then Hook got in a fight with Pan, lost his hand, and now he's just like, the rest of the crew is like, we could totally just go back to the Caribbean at any time. And he's like, no, we have to stay here and get that piece of Pan. And, um, that was a good voice. Oh, thank you. That was a good, really good impression. Yeah, I was going to say. You have to do it way up. And I can't, now I'm struggling. <laughs> I only got it once. Uh, well, there's a theory that um, the pirates were once lost boys who escaped Peters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pirates don't get any older, though. I Here's the thing. It's like the turn of the century now, but these are these are clearly like pirates from the golden age of piracy which is like seven in the 1720s mm-hmm. so they've been in neverland for ages and probably don't know it they don't know how much time has passed in the outside world so it's, if they went back if they left neverland they'd find a world that is not gonna be kind to them and this is the thing i love about peter pan is that this is classic fairy tale lore because you have in one location uh, pirates who have been here probably for 300 years children who have been here for god knows how long and kids coming from 1920s london and if they all turn come the, back turn, at the turn, same turn, time turn of the century london it's not 1920s. Uh, tur- sorry turn of the century london um they're all gonna come back you know the next night and it's just like where did the last 300 years go <laughs> exactly yeah. that's a frightening thought it's a thief of always all over again oh god yeah uh, <laughs> Gosh, how long have the how long have the uh, the 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 native the native people been there? Oh God, that's like and what are they doing there? That's a that's a well, no more. That's that's a, that's that's a tough one. We'll get to that. Well, it's also the question of like, are the native people even real? In well, it's the same with the mermaids too. Are they even real? Or are they just conjured from? the stories that you would get told about that. That's why there's the theory that, uh, that this is all Peter's imagination. Cause if you think or about Wendy's imagination or, well, okay. We're k- keep away from the movie, the actual play itself. Okay. This yeah. is all Peter's imagination. Cause if you think about it, this is the definition of a child's land. It's like, I get to fight pirates and I get to hang out with the natives. Again, stories they were told. And then uh, his laden uh, sexuality. And there's mermaids. Mermaids are gross, but they're also kind of interesting. Exactly. And Um, one of them's topless, but stays stays, kind of far away from the others. She has hair covering her uh, boobs. Yeah. Um, but all, and also, she, his best friend is a is a very attractive fairy, who just gets really who is also really possessive of him. Yes, so it's <laughs> again, this is like the definition of a, a boy story. But, like but in also, the in the movie, 
who's to say that that Neverland isn't shaped by the whims of the people visiting it too? Because well, here we have John and Michael talk and Wendy talk about we want mermaids, we want Indians, we want pirates. Look, there's mermaids, Indians, and pirates, and that makes mm-hmm. sense. Again, their stories; they, these are like the definitions of stuff kids would enjoy playing or talking about, or at least term the century kids were would be excited about. And then that's why I think it would be. Uh, Wendy's dream because she would put the mermaids in there. She would like. She probably did tell them stories about like natives and uh, pirates and stuff like that. Yeah, Advent- high adventure stories. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, fairy tale like all fairy tales like or high adventure fairy tale stories combined into one. Well, I guess mm. we'll fi- I guess we'll figure it out as we go along and, and talk about it more because. Um... I th- that's our introduction to Neverland is just through the pirates, which is, I think, the best way to get yeah. that started. And, and then... then... <laughs> crocodile. Dun. Oh, the crocodile! Dun, 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 dun. I love the crocodile's introduction every time. It, it's just... It brings... Oh, eyes. It just... It, there's a... I remember at some point later in the movie, he looks at the camera with a big-ass smile, and it's just like... It's like, he knows, like, that's right, audience, I'm gonna eat him. He's my And I love the fact that the crocodile is also very clearly modeled after a dog. Like, at one point, he sits up with his front legs brought up to his chest with his tongue lolling out, like, begging for a treat. He even makes a little, like, noise (laughs) at times. Uh, and I love the crocodile has way more character in this than like any other version of Peter Pan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Crocodile is a character. And and part of that also I think was to make the croc the idea of the crocodile less scary because it's more usually just a looming presence. Mm -hmm. In the stage production, like it it comes out on stage and chases him away, uh, and like the crocodile's kind of there in the distance from what I remember in other productions. So in this one, putting the crocodile in there and giving it kind of odd mannerisms kind of made it less of a threat and more of just like the thing that happens every time Peter bests hook. Now here's, here's my thoughts about the crocodile. I, if this movie was just about captain hook trying to escape the crocodile, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, like the all the parts with the slapstick between Captain Hook and the crocodile and Smee are amazing. I think those might be the best parts of the movie. Oh, I love them. I laughed so hard at those parts. Like that actually brought me joy. Like it, it's it is top notch slapstick. Like this is top notch slapstick, and it make like there actually is a good storyline here. Um, Crocodile has taken a bite out of uh, Captain Hook's hand. He likes the taste of it. Wants to eat the rest of Captain Hook. And he ticks. And he ticks. What he makes him tick? Literally a clock. As well as a clock inside his stomach. Yep. Uh, that crocodile. And then I like how he just, Smee is able to shoo him away. Hook's uh, obvious terror at this thing is is hilarious. And then we get that night, that funny little bit with, with Hook getting a shave and the seagull. That's also a good bit. All the pirate bits mm. are great slaps. Yeah. Um, but it also makes, I like the fact that Captain Hook's reasoning for wanting to take down Peter Pan is legitimate. It's not just, it, it's this jerk cut off my hand and fed it to this crocodile. Yep. 
he's going down. Yeah, the rest of the crew doesn't care, though, like we established. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the boy, they eventually spot uh, Peter and the boys and, and Wendy and Tink. They're all up on the oh, yeah. cloud. And let's not, let's not forget, like, Tink almost kills Wendy. Right, right, I'm getting to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they load up. You gotta love any pirate crew that names their cannon Long Tom. <laughs> so they, they they take some pot shots at uh at Peter Peter and his and his his kidnapped crew. Uh, Peter decides to distract the and lure you know hooks hooks cannon fire away from them while they fly. And Tink's like, now's my chance to kill Wendy. <laughs> so she flies ahead really fast and uh, goes to the hangman's tree where the Lost Boys are, and we get our first scene of the Lost Boys. There's a little shot where she's flying through the tunnels, and you see. Uh, what you first think is like a, a glass, uh, like a skylight window. It's actually a lake, and, and the fish peer through the bottom of this this lake at the that into is the tunnel. So cool! It's like, a funny little touch, right? Like yeah. there's this water yeah. that's just suspended over nothing, and the fish can actually stick their heads out the bottom of this water and look down into this tunnel. <laughs> like I, that, I noticed that this time. I'm like, that is a cool thing to have. In the in the sequel, they actually make that a little more present. Are we going to have to talk about Return to Neverland at some know. point? It might be a good Animusings Plus. I don't know. But, we, yeah, I think we might have to do it as an Animusings Plus. It was I in theaters. that movie. It was in theaters. We might call you back for that one if we do it for Plus. Yeah. Because we, we have to talk about the grievous crime that is the fact that there is no crocodile in the movie. No, there's a crocodile in the no, sequel. No, there's an octopus. Oh, that's right. It's cooking an octopus instead of the crocodile. I forgot they got a different animal for Why? some. There's no reason. Okay. No, okay. Anyway, okay. Anyway, no, anyway. No, no, no. So, so Tink goes to the Lost Boys, and I don't know which Lost Boy is which in this one. Like, there's pretty distinct. There's, there's the twins. There's slightly. There's Toodles. There's um. Uh, the one that's going through puberty. There's Thud yeah. Butt. Wait, no, that. One. <laughs> that's in Hook. I'm well, just... there's there's the one who's dressed as a bear, the one dressed as a rabbit, the one dressed as a fox, the two dressed as raccoons. The, the, one, the is... one dressed as a bear is totally going through puberty. Because his voice cracks all the time. Oh yes. my gosh. I'm it like... does, and it's hilarious. I want to guess that the uh, the boy in the fox costume is Slightly. Yeah, that's Slightly. And I think that the boy oh. in... Huh? Isn't the boy in the bear suit Cubby? His I think that's Cubby. It's Cubby. I don't oh know gosh, which... I realized if you're if you don't age while you're in Neverland and he's going through puberty, that means he's been he's going to be going through puberty forever. Oh, uh, poor. Now, how much you bet? Like he's like ten, and then his voice just started cracking, and then now and that's when Peter brought him over, and it's like, oh, poor kid. Yeah, the maturity of your voice doing this. <laughs> Now, in the movie's logic, they took away the whole bit about, like, oh, the Lost Boys are all children who, fe- children who fell out of their prams while the nurse wasn't looking. Now, Peter just met kids and took them to Neverland with him. This is a, this is a, and because no one grows up in this Neverland, it's a slightly less macabre thing. Although they're... Come with me to Neverland. Yeah. Uh, but actually, the amnesiac portion of it does come into play when you realize well because later on like it hasn't even been like what like 24 hours in neverland and you'll notice like michael is starting to forget about his mother yeah that's right Mm. and and then there's a point where cubby says i think i had a mother once what was she like i forget it's like oh my gosh yeah this has barely been a day oh yeah 
Like these just a whole kids day. have no memories of their families or anything of their previous lives. That's disturbing. <laughs> oh yes. Um, time is a lot slower in Neverland then. Ye- yeah. They were only gone for a few hours. They're back the same night. Yes. In this version. So wait, 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 wait. If if time goes slower, that might contribute to the fact that they don't age when they're there. True. Because like a de- at least two days pass while they're in Never- Neverland. Because, wait, I'm trying to go through it in my head. Like, they get there, like, in the morning, and then... No, well, yeah, about... Because it's definitely at least 24 hours, because it, it does go into nighttime, and then they go into day, and it's, They like, fly... When they, they and leave... Then it's at, and then it's, at, like, the, the next night that they fly off back to... Yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. spend two days, in Never, two days in Neverland. Yeah, they spend two days in Neverland, which is, like, a few hours in... So Tink tells the boys, hey, Pan wants you to kill this bird. Kill the Wendy bird. Kill the Wendy bird. Shoot it down. So the boys, being boys, run out. And of course, they're, they're dumb. So they see this woman flying through the air. And they're like, oh, that's a bird. Let's throw rocks at it. And they do. And she almost lands on some rocks. But like Peter... You, you can see her, like, uh, her vision as she's la- about to land on, like, sharp rocks. And then Peter saves her. Like, jeez! And Tink... Completely cold-blooded. Like, he's like, uh... Watches this all happen with glee and then shock and disappointment when she fails to hit the ground. But the, here's the funny part. He's like, so do you consider yourself guilty or not guilty? And she's like, yep, guilty. And he's like, don't you know you could have killed her? And she's like smiling, like, yeah. Yep. I'm like... She's like, what do you think I was trying to do? Like, Tink, dude! Tink's sass is real. It's my favorite. I, as much as I think it's, like, really horrible that Tink wanted to kill Wendy. I just, you can't not love the fact that she's got all this. She doesn't, she gives absolutely zero cares whatsoever. It's one of the reasons Tinkerbell is one of the most enduring characters of the film. Yeah. It's because of the fact that she has so much character to her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's banished. Yeah, she's banished. uh, Forever. Well, not for a week. For a week, week I guess. Week. I guess. <laughs> and then they're like, and then then they're like, okay, let's split off. To which, uh, the oh, boy. Tink, oh, and all all the scolding that the Lost Boys get is is um, well, I'm certainly proud of you, you blockheads. That's really and, it. Yeah. And now it's time for another song. Following the leader. Following the leader. Oh yeah, because they split off. Uh, Peter and <sighs> Wendy go to the. They're going to go see the mermaids, right? Mermaids and the boys go look for They They go look for They want to they want to go find the Indians. They want to go hunt the Indians. Let's okay. look, let's not sugarcoat it. Before before we get to the Indian thing, I have to point out something else that I noticed in the movie. Go for it. When Hook is talking about his plan to kidnap Tiger Lily, he goes, okay, well, we know they're not in Pirate's Cove. And we've checked Cannibal Cove. That's right. Yeah, we saw that. We were like, what? Yeah, we were watching it, and I went, whoa. Whoa. That is not cool, Disney. Is there... That was not cool. Yeah, what part of... Okay, when did how, when did we avoid... We narrowly avoided seeing, the like, a, a, a group of cannibals... Like when did that come into play? Are are they are they suggesting that the Indians are cannibals? No, because they no 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 no, no, no because, because they're very clearly have drawn 
there's a there's a drawing of a person in blackface there in that on that map. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, Disney, not cool, not cool. It, it was one of those things of it's only on the screen for a second, but I saw it. And I went, oh no, no, no. So remember when um when when you know how everybody thinks that Song of the South is racist. This made me more uncomfortable. This this movie is ten times more racist. Oh, so much racism. Okay. Yeah, the Indians. The Indian scenes are really bad. So, actually, oh, so, we're gonna have to talk about that. Okay, that's the worst we, part of the movie. Uh, yeah, coming okay. up soon. Okay, yeah. Following the leader is a nice bit. It's all right. It's cute. It's they, cute. They march around. You get to see a little bit of the how Neverland oh, has every environment under the sun. There's a savanna, a jungle, a pine forest. Some cute. A wild. big bear. Yeah. A bear that's confused by Michael's teddy. Um, some orangutans take John's hat and he doesn't notice. But yeah, eventually they get to a clearing and they find a pair of footprints. And of course, Michael is the first to, or John is the first to say, Blackfoot tribe. Which is. I'm like, oh, they, were from, they were from the plains. Mm. Quite savage, you know. Uh, <laughs> Oh it's okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna just get into it. Okay, so, so go ahead. Sorry. The thing about this is the reason. Okay, so you know how Song of the South is like giving a lot of crap, but this movie really isn't. If yeah. You think about it. One of the reasons is this was in the original book. Right. Yes. Yeah. This is actually. This is. J.M. Barry's, like the, like everything that's addressed like in this movie about the about the natives, all in J.M. Barry's play and book. Mm-hmm. And it's uncom and the, at at the time it wasn't a big deal because it was turn of the century. And right. also, it was the fifties. And no, 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 no. It was actually uncomfortable in the fifties too. Well, I'm saying there was a lot more, unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a good thing. There was a lot more prevalent just, like, depictions of, like, you know, Westerns were huge at the time. And a lot of the depictions in Westerns were, like, think about think about it. It wasn't that long after this movie came out that we would get Davy Crockett, for mm. example. And there were a lot of things depicting, like, the clash between the people who were pushing West, you know, the white people pushing West, and the Native Americans. And it was usually pretty caricatured and it was sometimes pretty racist and people were like okay with this at the time but this is even this like these like okay i'm okay with with people being people in general being caricatured but my goodness is this hard to watch yeah this is really hard to watch um (laughs) Like I, this went over my head as a kid. Keep that in oh, mind. Oh God, yeah. Well, as, yeah, as a as a kid, especially being really young when I was watching this, no idea. I cringed more now than I ever did watching it before. As soon as I see them pop out of the trees with war whoops and uh, you know throw tomahawks and and carry the carry the boys off like tied up on like poles like they're caught game, um, and then when they get to the village. Okay, tying up the teddy bear and dragging that one, that was funny. Yeah, that was funny. There's some bits. There's some bits that are okay. Like, there's some bits that are like, all right. But mm, when they get to the Indian village, you get the, the big chief, 
and he's he's played by a prolific Disney voice actor. You hear him a lot in a few things. He's got a Candy, very distinct... Candido is his name. That's right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I um, you'll he- you'll hear him quite a bit. And apparently, that's his real voice. He's yeah. a great voice. Like like that's his real real voice. Like that's how like apparently that's how he talks. I mean, probably not to as. You also will eventually hear him voice one of the goons in Sleeping Beauty. He voices Great Mouse Detective. Great Mouse Detective. He's a actually so weirdly enough, he is the voice of um, Fidget. Oh, he he upped his voice level. Oh for yeah, because the... he's had a deeper voice and everything else. Exactly. He also did the voice of the uh, the crocodile. I think he's the crocodile in uh, the announcer in um, Robin Hood. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then, oh, you're gonna like this. He's also the deep-voiced prisoner in the Haunted Mansion attraction. He's the voice of Gus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you ever wanted the short prisoner in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland with the beard? You talk like this. When the grip doors creak and the tombstones quake, you know, that sort of thing. Which is pretty cool. Um, so, he voices the chief. And we figure out at this point that oh no, when we when we said we wanted to go hunt hunt the Indians, we it's a game we play with them. Like sometimes we get caught and they let us go. Sometimes we catch them and they let us go. I'm like, Haha, okay, at least that's that's a that's a small relief. At least there's like a understanding. I'm trying to find any bit I can to like not feel uncomfortable during this part. <laughs> and the reason why they kind of let it go is because the again it's the idea that it's from the point of view of a child's mind. A child would think like this. Right. Well, in the in the the thing that gets established in a lot of the Peter Pan lore is that the Lost Boys and the and the the Indians, they don't hate each other. No, they don't. No. They say they actually when the boys do get captured, they're like, "Oh no, this is a game. They let us go and then right. and then when we catch them." But that's just what like... happens in general. And then of course later on they become allies against the pirates. Everybody hates the pirates. Oh yeah. Because the pirates are the only real adults. Yes. Yeah. So with, but in this one, they're like, no, 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 we're not letting you go because my daughter has been kidnapped. Tiger Lily's gone, and, and we blame you. We blame you. For some reason, they don't think to blame the obvious people who are the terrible, you know, the worst people on the island, the pirates. Pirates. Yeah. They blame the they blame the other, uh, the island's other tribe per se. You know, the Lost Boys are. Think about it. The pirates are just sit on the ship. They're the invaders, technically. Mm-hmm. Although I suspect that the, the, the Indians have been on the island longer than the... I have a theory that they've been on the island longer than the, the Lost Boys, even. They might have... Yeah, that is possible. I think they recognize John's imperialistic attitudes, and we're trying to get the drop on the British. <laughs> <laughs> they did... He was being very... John was being very condescending, and of course, while he was busy being colonial and condescending, the sun never sets on the British Empire, uh, they jumped out of the bushes and grabbed them, so... God. But yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna kill the boys if they don't get Tiger Lily back. Exactly. So uh, then we get to the mermaids, and they're all mean. Yeah, yeah. I like again. All the women are here are so catty. They're I... just awful to each other. Except Wendy. Wendy is the only no, level headed. No, I mean Wendy still like gets jealous and gets. Yeah, a... but she's. Of all like, the women in the story, she's the most level-headed. When yeah. you think Tiger about Lily. What? Yeah, she gets. Oh no, that's true. Tiger that's true. Lily is a Tiger... little more level-headed. That's actually very true. Tiger, Tiger Lily, Lily never gets jealous of anyone. I mean, Tiger Lily never has any lines. Tiger but um... no, she says half of help. Yeah. Hi. 
<laughs> that she's underwater. And then she does a dance <laughs> with Peter, that, and then does a whole, like, flirt thing. Oh, and before that, she's just the, the stoic, she's sort of the stoic Indian stereotype a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, she's kidnapped by Captain Hook. We were only trying to drown her. Oh, no, okay, sorry, back to the mermaids. Back to the mermaids. <laughs> I do like, hey, I'm a big fan of mermaid lore where the mermaids do want to, in fact, drown and eat people. So, yeah. They, yes, they, that was, I liked how accurate that was. <laughs> but I love the fact that all these mermaids are like, oh my gosh, it's Peter Pan. Oh, <gasps> uh, wait, who's this girl? Let's kill her. And now, they only said they were trying to drown. They seemed mostly like they were just messing with her. And Peter, of course, is just like, ha ha ha, if they do get violent, I'm just going to float here and laugh because he's a little chump. Yeah, Gracie, I know. So anyway... Um... Well, the thing I like about Peter is that Peter can't really think of any any consequences for anybody else. No. He Almost didn't. even himself. Yeah. For, again, for Peter, everything is a game. Yeah. Exactly. There's, he lives a life free of consequence. And that's the idea behind it, that everything he does has no consequence and that he will always win out in the end. That's why, like, oh, Tiger Lily has been kidnapped um by captain hook let's go save her and it's just again he treats it like it's a game you know there's an attempt at a character arc with him and i'll talk about that but it gets it goes away pretty quickly Mm -hmm. but yeah uh also i I mean that uh here's the funny part um the whole scene between peter pan and uh smee and captain hook it's enjoyable when the crocodile comes in, that made me laugh so much. Are you talking about when they go to Skull Rock? Yeah, when they're at Skull Rock and he's... Okay, so they're at Skull Rock. Captain Hook is ta- is trying to tell Tiger Lily, like, you better tell me where Peter is. I'm going to, like, basically let you drown. And she doesn't say anything, of course. So he's like, well, you're going to drown. I have a fun historical bit here. Go for it. This scene was actually originally going to be a lot darker. How so? Uh, they were originally going to chain Tiger Lily to a rock that was underwater, and around her were other skeletons that were chained to the rock. Dude! There was concept art of this. Dude! Yeah, there was some grim, like, the idea was that the pirates had come here before and had killed uh, killed prisoners or, or marooned people here the same way. Just the captain would row out and leave them there to drown. So their bones remain, and Tiger Lily was going to join them. <laughs> That is that is dark. That's really dark. Um, yeah, and then there's this whole um, slapsticky thing where uh, Peter Pan uh, pretends is using impression of uh, Captain Hook again, adding to the theory that maybe it's all in Peter Pan's mind. I do. I do love this scene. I, I like. I, any, I, again, this, the gags here are great. The because, gags here are really good because anything with Smee Hook and other people interacting is amazing. And and I, I leaned over to Kayla at one point and nudged her and I said, perfect couples don't exist and pointed at Hook and Smee. <laughs> 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 they have a love-hate relationship. But it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we get our first real swashbuckling fight between Hook and, and, and Pan here while everybody forgets about Tiger Lily, including Wendy. <laughs> and Wendy's just watching from the sidelines, just like, oh my goodness gracious. Smee tries to shoot Peter at one point, and he thinks he shoots Hook. <laughs> but yeah, all this happens. It's awesome. The animation is great. The mood, the mood at Skull Rock is phenomenal. Uh, then the crocodile shows up, and this is where you and I were just busting up. Oh, when the crocodile it's comes. It's great. 
It's, it's great. It's amazing. Again, it's just the, when he hits into the rock like multiple times. Roll for the ship playing. <laughs> I think the thing I love the most is whenever he falls into the crocodile's mouth, he's just doing like a perfect half split, yes. holding the jaws open. <laughs> yes. It's very good. While yelling for Smee. Over and over again, it's just like, man, Hook is a gymnast. Like, yeah. he would kill at yoga. <laughs> maybe Hook maybe Hook is uh, does that on his spare time with the rest of the crew. That, that's, what he, that's what happens when he uh, eventually comes to the real world. He becomes a yoga teacher. <laughs> Open your mind a- and your legs will follow. <laughs> just picture a crocodile. Picture that your life is in great danger from a crocodile. Then you'll split easily. I would love to take yoga with Captain Hook. Mr. Smee, bring, let's do some Pilates. Um, so they, with, with Hook and Smee defeated, uh, uh, Peter scoops up Tiger Lily right before she, right after her head submerges, and they fly off immediately to the, to the um the most uncomfortable scene in the entire movie. Uh, we get another song here. Uh, no. Let's uh, not sing any of this song. No. no. Okay, the song is called "What Makes the Red Man Red." Uh. It, does it hurt that the Melomen sing it too? It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter is christened Little Flying Eagle. He it, gets a headdress. It's not as bad as the fact in the book they call him White Chief. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I forgot, forgot about, about that. that. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is this is terrible, Disney. Well. It, Okay, this was another thing. Like, uh, they said, oh, he's uh, saying in sign language. I'm like, okay, now this is offensive to anybody who knows sign language. It's clearly not sign language. Especially when the chief does this thing where he puts his hands together and clearly wiggles both his middle fingers. (laughs) It was funny to me because when I was in preschool, um, they taught me some, some words in sign language and told me it was Indian language. I don't know why. Okay. Sure. They were like, this is how the Indians talk. And then my mom told me later, I was like, yeah, they, they taught you some American Sign Language. I'm like, why did they tell me that was how Indians talked? That's a weird thing. Uh, it's a weird, it was a weird thing my preschool did to me. Yes. Yeah, but none of it is sign language at all. None of it, is, no, none none of of it, it was actually that, that they, none of it was actually sign language. No. None, none of it in that movie was sign language at all. Which, again, yeah. it's like... And, <laughs> no, um... Okay, well, let's let's at least okay. The less we have to talk about this, the better. Although I think no, no, we I mean we have to we have to we've said what's said. This this scene is genuinely racist stereotype caricature nonsense. Mm-hmm. It was it was it meant to be? Was it meant to be offensive? Well, I don't know. I don't know what was going through their heads. They weren't thinking. Was about it? Well, it uh, Mark Davis- was it meant to be offensive? I don't think so. No. Was it meant to be a caricature and a in a stereotype? Absolutely. Yes. Oh yeah. So Mark Davis actually later on said, if they would have redone this movie, they would have changed it. They're not sure how, but he knows they would have not done that same thing. Good. <laughs> right. Well, good. It would have exactly that scene. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, Keep in mind, Mark Davis was, uh, you know, quite the the character artist, and you know, you can, a lot of his influence can be felt over this movie, especially when you see mm. some of the the more background characters pop up among yeah. the pirates, the, even the Indians. Um, and I think about how he was designing the Western River Expedition attraction. You can see some of those um, same like ideas, some of those, and a couple of those same stereotypes do pop up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it, that's me going to theme parks again. We should. Okay, uh, and then actually we get more great slapstick back on the pirate ship. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So this all happened before this scene. Back yeah, on the oh, pirate yeah. ship, Hook uh, is got a cold. Smee is Trying to giving take- him a worst headache by hammering a sign that says "Do not disturb" on the captain's door, and just hilarious comedy between my two favorite characters in this movie. And then he go- and then he delivers the juiciest of Neverland gossip. I oh heard, yeah! I heard from the cook, from the first mate, that there's some women trouble going on. Girl, you don't even know. I love how as he's talking, Hook, it, Hook didn't Hook get hit in the head by a hammer yeah, during so this he's part? Ca- he's he's lying of... dazed in the tub with a smile and <laughs> with 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 the thermometer in his mouth yeah. as Smee is pouring boiling liquid on his feet. Yeah, and and I love that it bursts right when he's like, Pan has banished Tinkerbell, and. and the- now that they know Pan has banished Tinkerbell, he's like, ooh, let's kidnap Tinkerbell and convince her to give us the details about Peter Pan's hideout because now she's mad at him. Uh, and oh, and, and, and Smee is trying to convince Hook that the crew just wants to leave. It's like, Earlier yes. in the movie, they did all threaten him. They're like, we have to tell the captain we want to put to sea, Smee. And so now he, he's, he's pushing for it again, but Hook straight up just yells at him to go do it and he Rocket propels his boat off the ship. Uh, I'd watch a whole movie about just the adventures of these pirates. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Because uh, actually after a uh, horrible scene, uh, you'll you see Tinkerbell being kidnapped by Smee, and then they're back at the pirate ship. And Oh, to be fair, the other thing that happens during the scene is Wendy, Wendy does get jealous. She gets jealous of Peter being uh, into, yeah. into Tiger Lily. And also, she gets je- she gets jealous because the boys are allowed to party, and she has to keep go getting firewood. Oh yeah, that right. was ridiculous. And she thinks the boys are acting ridiculous. She's and I'm like, well, Wendy, I don't know if that's you being like you should behave like you should behave better in general, or you shouldn't act like he made vague arm gestures with his hands so he didn't have to say. Yeah, yeah, I know. But basically, at this point, she's like, nah, I want to go home now. Yeah. This is too much. It's a combination of all of these things. Um, but... Well, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit about Tiger Lily, but mostly just a combination of everything that's happened. Because Peter... She's starting to see that Peter doesn't really care about... Her? Her. She, he ditched her on Skull Rock and flew off with Tiger Lily as soon as he, he did. Yeah, so. it, it really is, like, this whole thing is about him. It's all about, mm-hmm. he, like, again, he's the one who saves Tiger Lily. It's this party is for him, and uh, I would argue, he's the hero, and everybody loves him. And yeah, I would easily argue that Wendy is more, of a, is more of the protagonist of this movie than Peter is. Yeah, I agree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, back to pirates. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hook plays a harpsichord really well. With despite only having one hand and a hook, to do yeah. That. Well, he can do that little like bouncy thing with the hook on two keys. <laughs> He's got the. I, I love love that scene. <laughs> yeah, this... Just that one little shot of him doing that is so good. 
Yeah, he's so sinister with, here. With his best hook, too. He's got the gold hook, yeah. I love his collection of hooks that he gets has Smeagol. He's got a corkscrew hook. He's got a like a hook that's clearly used as a bottle opener. Like it's just it's great. The ingenuity that he's put into his prosthetic is amazing. Meanwhile, uh Smee's getting drunk. Yeah, Smee's getting wasted on the piano. <laughs> not uh, not like because of the piano's music. He actually has like a bottle of rum on him and he's drinking it. Yeah. And then um he, uh yeah, Hook's playing off the, the jealousy that Tink's feeling, and, and Tink, Tink is eating this up. Yeah, and then Tink's like, yes, I can show you where Peter is, so that way we can take Wendy! But you have to promise not to lay a hand on, on Peter. I promise not to lay a hand jingle, jingle, jingle. Hook on Peter Pan. So, wait, 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 if I recall, so Peter can understand what she's saying. So Hook, can Hook. So can Hook. Wendy can? Or can she? Uh, or... Hook spent the last 300 years good living point. on this island, being anchored off this island. He must have picked up fairy language. Okay, yeah, good point. Do we ever see any other fairies in this movie? No. Other than Tink? No. Tink's the only one we see explicitly in the film. Okay. Now, I know in since Tinkerbell became a thing that, that Disney continued yeah. to push, they added more Netherland fairies. But... Oh, there's a whole... Like, that became really really popular among young girls the, the disney fairies like yeah uh, about like five five ten years ago i want to say huh. um oh no 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 it, this and this, the, this is a thing like yeah. this is huge i um back when i used to work at walt disney world um i had a friend who uh worked uh worked with the characters or would like guide them she told me that like if you wanted to see the disney princesses usually the line was 20 minutes for the fairies, it'd be an hour. Jeez, that's wow. how. Wow. That's how. This was in 2010. That's Have how you guys. Sorry, it's okay. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm just saying this is how popular this thing, the, like the Disney fairies, were. Yeah. Have you seen any of the fairies movies? No. No. They're actually legitimately quite good. Really. Like they have a really good sense of humor. The animation's pretty solid. Um, the voice acting's really good. They got really good voice actors for it. Uh, and they're pretty well-written films. Like, they're pretty pretty standard family films. But, you know, it was one of those things of, like, surfing Netflix one night not finding much to watch. I turned one on, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. Okay. Um, let me see if, actually, we have... Like, that's one of... I, I know it's not... It's like an Animation Plus film. I think it might be. Um, actually, no, it's not. This is not a... It wasn't done by Walt Disney Animated Studios. I figured. I think it's a separate company. Yeah. 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 But it's probably... It's still affiliated. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, Tink finally tells Hook that it's Hangman's Tree, which, if we talked about... Since we talked about this earlier... It echoes a little eerily of Peter thins out the Lost Boys when they get too much older. Yeah. Also, how long has Hook been trying to look for Peter Pan and he hasn't checked the one other thing on the map? Because he has to cross Crocodile Creek. Oh, you're right. He mentions that at one point. I didn't think about that until you brought that up. Like, there must be some reason. Oh, he wants to avoid Crocodile Creek. Because literally, Hangman's Tree is the only other thing on the map that's, like, explicitly drawn out. I'm like, it's a map marker, dude. 
Yeah. It's exactly. right there. Who drew this map? Robert Louis Stevenson? <laughs> Wait, he's not the writer. No, I'm just saying, when you think about Treasure Island, you know, all these really ominously labeled points. Finger trunk tree, devil's rock, that sort of thing. Okay. Skeleton Island. So I, look, so I looked it up. Uh, the Disney fairies are actually done by Disney Toon Studios. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will take that uh, recommendation, or uh, I will take that into consideration, Alex. <laughs> Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tink, the moment, the moment Tink gives the info, she gets stuck, stuffed in a lantern. Yep. And then Hook and his boys set off to go get Peter and the Lost Boys. But we're back to boy, the boys going still all nutso and... They're powwowing around, uh... At the hangman's tree. And Wendy's fed up. And this is actually the point where she brings up, like, the whole, like, going home and mothers and... Yeah, she has, she didn't do a ton of mothering in this one. This is the one chance no. time she has to do some mothering. And then talks about, like, mothers, like, oh, oh, your mother and I is the song that plays. This is... Bland. This is the most forgettable song. I hate to say it, but it is. There's nothing... I, I do not care for this song. I feel that yeah. it brings the pacing of it, the movie, to a screeching halt. Although, I gotta admit, like... And Dave and I laughed so hard at this. Like, you, you see the pirates looking over, and then Smee lifts off his shirt, and it says mother on it. The tattoo well, of mother, and we're, and he starts tearing up. I laughed. Of I, course. I thought the, that was The funny. best part is when the pirates come in. Of course. Yeah. The pirates, oh my god. Are okay. the best part of this movie. Oh, um, and Peter, Peter's still playing up the whole little flying eagle thing while they're there, so that's also that what leads into the song is... And we talked about how the, the Lost Boys forgot their their, their mother. Yeah. Only Wendy remembers. Only, Only Wendy, Wendy really remembers. remembers. Her song wakes the other the two her two brothers up, and the rest of them are like, "Hey, we want to see where our mothers are." And Peter's just kind of like, "Eh, they'll, you'll go, but you'll be back." Mm-hmm. I'm so cool. You can't forget about me. I'm Peter Pan. I'm eh, cool. Exactly. And he goes off the salt. No consequence. No none. So, uh, they're leaving, and get, and as they're leaving the, the hangman's tree, they all get kidnapped by the pirates, and... <laughs> Hook, Hook does that thing where he lowers the package down into the tree, a, a present for Peter. And it's like, remember, Captain, he's like, not to lay a hook, or, or no, it's like, couldn't we just do the more kind of humane way and, like... Yes, yeah, straight up throat. His, slit his throat. <laughs> that's a great line. I lo- well, that's one thing about Hook that's interesting. He does keep his word. Yeah, he actually never breaks his promise. Don't lay a hook or a hand or a hook on Peter Pan. Never does. Yep. Nope. He's, a, he's a sneaky. He's a sneaky bastard, but he still he does. He found that. a loophole. Yeah, a perfect loophole. And, it, and again, this is this is like classic fairy tale type of things. Is you make a promise, find the loophole in that promise. Mm-hmm. Um. So we know we already know what the package is. It's a bomb. Yep. It's a time bomb. But we'll get to that in a second. Sorry, I was, I, I suddenly I started uh, rocking out to Rancid. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just think it's interesting because, like, here's Hook, who's afraid of a metaphor for time, and he's going to kill Peter with a time bomb. <laughs> which is also, time is a killer. Yeah. That's the whole, that's something else that they built off of, Disney added to this. Because in the original... Uh, story in the original and in the plays, it's poison, right? Yes, they use in it's the, poison it's, medicine. Poison medicine was what they 
what was going to kill Peter. And then, actually, it was, uh... It... There was a poisoned cake earlier, too. Don't eat that cake, said Wendy. It's too damp and rich for you. Because he, he just... Oh, in the... Hook tried the... to murder the boys. That's in the, the play. That's in the play, And in the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm. in the book. Uh, but... Yeah, they have been kidnapped, and we get to... I. This is my favorite song. Is Oh, the, the, the elegant Captain Hook? Yes. Uh, sang by the Mellow Men. The Mellow Men have... Uh, they have a lot of room to do stuff in this one. Yeah. Um, this is a good song. This is a good song. This is a fun song. All this the is... pirate songs are fun songs. The, like, the song they sing at the beginning, A Pirate's Life is a Wonderful Life, and then we get this, like... Yeah. Just... Disney... Love of, for the love of God. You get a free tattoo, and I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> Come on, it'll be fun. I I can't tell if the if the if the boys actually want to be pirates because they're excited by these offers or because they don't want to die. Maybe it's both because Hook's like, you'll walk the plank. Yeah, if you can either become pirates or you walk the plank. I don't know why he thinks this will work because I don't don't a lot of them fly or are they out of pixie dust at this point. Uh, well, none of the lost boys fly. That's oh, that's true. Which is actually kind of dark that Peter has decided not to teach them how to fly. He let Wendy, Michael, and John fly. Yeah, but now they don't anymore. Yeah, it's vaguely defined what the rules of flying are. Presumably, they ran out of pixie dust. Uh huh. And yet, Peter can fly whenever he wants. Nana flew for a bit. Yep. She got a little bit of. Well pixie butt dust on her tail and flew even though she's a dog and probably wasn't thinking happy thoughts per se mm-hmm. uh, it's a dog dogs are always thinking happy thoughts that's true that's true <laughs> uh, but I... peter is not also human he's got pointy elf ears Tr- you know yeah that's true he is distinctly not human in this that's which really makes me think that peter is probably a pixie as well so he probably provides his own pixie dust but you know he's always flying so he keeps it internally well is he I would say he's like more of he he he's definitely a, a Robin Goodfellow. He's yeah. A, yeah, he's a trickster. He's a he's a he's a changeling. He's literally yeah no he's literally the changeling the person who comes and swaps people out of their cribs, mm-hmm. takes them away to the world of the fairies. Yep. Um, jeez. So anyway, uh, Wendy's like not gonna join the pirates. That sounds terrible. Because Peter Pan will save us. Peter Pan will save us. <laughs> and we find out what Hook's plan was. He's going to blow Peter up. And then o'clock. Tinkerbell is, realizes what's going to happen. Gets, it's like, I'm getting out of here. Shake, shake, shake. Breaks shake glass. Shake your booty. <laughs> Breaks glass. Flies to Peter. Tries to stop stop him from... Uh, uh, but then stop the bomb from exploding. Or trying to warn him, but... It goes off anyway, and... It goes off when after Tink grabs it, though. Yes. So she narrowly saves Peter's life. Yes. But all the pirates think he's dead. Yes. As does Wendy and the boys. And then Peter sees... That actually is the one time you see Peter actually, first of all, concerned for another person and not being selfish when he realizes that Tink is about to die. Yeah, this is a key moment. Like, yeah. p- you see, you see Peter think about someone other than himself, mm. and him saying, "You mean more to me than anything in the whole world." Is like, aww. And this is the part where you, in the play you would clap if you believe in fairies. Exactly. Yeah. 
But uh, at, although nothing kind of happens out of that, it's like there's this like sweet moment that kind of goes nowhere, and it's it's cut off because a bunch of it looks like a bunch of the cave falls down on Peter, and then, um, then Wendy's gonna walk the plank because Wendy's like I ref- I'm not gonna I'll walk the plank to be the stoic, the stoic one this time, and um, uh, this is one of my favorite scenes when she she walks to the edge of the plank. Oh, yeah. And, and then... just as she steps off, R2 fires the lightsaber out. <laughs> <laughs> Although there is a weird... Da, 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 da. I, it, is a, I... it is a Disney property. Well, no, no. Here's This exactly. always kind of bothered me. I think this was like a bad line read or something. I, I, you hear Michael say, Wendy, Wendy! And I'm like... <laughs> Spot the ADR. That's yeah, it was... No, but legit, I do really like when she goes off the plank and disappears and everyone's listening. And for some reason, you hear, like, the sound of, like, a missile falling. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Uh, But there's no splash, and the pirates are all going, there's no splash. Oh, the ship's bewitched. Did you hear a splash? And it's like, you realize how... Well, this also is hinted much uh, earlier, too, how, uh, how, um, superstitious the pirates are, and... How like like how Smee is like oh my gosh there's a ghost in this cave yeah that's right mm. and then <laughs> no splash captain you want a splash Mister Starkey I'll give you a splash who's next <laughs> just no concern whatsoever it's like nope I'm done and then Peter Pan you realize oh Peter Pan saved Wendy and he's come for the boys and is you've gone come- too far this time Hook. We've come for the climax. Yep. Here comes the climax. Or... I should mention Peter has learned nothing. You don't see him say anything nope. to, to Tink. or you, He and Tink don't really interact much after this point. No, nope. uh, Tink, you can't, you see Tink. Tink's there. Tink's fine. Tink's fine. You're nothing like, happened to Tink. You're like, so what was that whole thing? What the heck was that whole thing? Was that just a way to say, oh, they're cool now? Yeah. Like, Pretty much, I think. Yeah, they're, they're friends now. <laughs> There's not a ton to talk about at this, except that the overall, again, the animation really ki- sells this part. Like, it's mm-hmm. just Peter Fantastic. and Hook have a, a great sword fight. Uh, Smee tries to, like, take everything and just leave. He's like, he knows when he's been licked, so he's just gonna go. <laughs> I, see, I beat Smee in that scene. I'll be like, I'm done. I'm getting my stuff. Peace. Peace, guys. Bye. But I love that every performance of Mr. Smee, whether it's no matter who, what type of Peter Pan it is, whether it's a modern-day rendition, whether it's, like, a pseudo-sequel like Hook is or something like that, the climactic scene when Peter comes back, like, almost immediately Smee's just like, well, starts <laughs> grabbing everything. Yep, grabs everything, is like, bye, guys. I'm not, nope, mm-mm. I, I he doesn't it. even wait for the fight to begin. Uh, you know what's great too is is Smee Smee is um, in the book I remember Smee is the only pirate that escapes really. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's the one who goes off to you know live in the world and he tells people he was the only man that Jas Hook ever feared. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love Smee. Yes. Smee is my favorite. He's the character. best. Smee and Hook are my favorite characters, but yep. I think Smee edges out Hook a little bit. Although I. I l- Smee Smee is a real pirate. We really should discuss like the whole climactic scene. I mean, oh yeah. But I mean, it's it's good. It's funny. It's really, it's a fun watch. It's definitely the the action's good. The animation's great. 
I kind of just want to talk about the how how Hook ends. Like Hook leaves leaves the movie, and it's, yeah. Um, oh, once again, Hook and Hook and Pan do a sort of duel with Hook, uh, Pan. Promises not to fly. He gives him his word, and he keeps his word, much like Hook does. But uh, when he thinks he's got Hook beat, uh, Hook almost retaliates, and then Peter kicks him off the rigging, and he falls right toward the crocodile. And slapstick, and then <laughs> the... <laughs> so he leaves the movie. Is like the, the crocodile <laughs> just closes. It's like smith. Like he's, oh, just he's skipping across, across the, the water. water. The sound effect for it is amazing. The fact that that's how he ends, that's how he leaves the movie. It's is so amazing. It's so well animated, and I love. Yeah, his screaming is cut off every time he hits the water. <laughs> and I like. I love how Smee is just in pursuit with the other pirates in the boat. He's like, Captain, Captain. Just, I'm like, uh, it, it's so random. But it's amazing. The, they all disappear onto the horizon and, and exit the pirates. After well, that, the movie's I... over. Nothing else of important happened. No, no, I'm just no, kidding. Nothing. I'm just kidding. So they're like, all right, they're going to go to London. So, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, he... uh, Peter's the new captain of the ship, of the Jolly Roger. And they're like, yeah, we're going to London now. Okay, yeah, we're going home. Wait, what? We're going to London? And Peter's like, yeah, I'm going to take you home. You wanted to go home, I'll take you. I guess the only thing he learned was like not to... Peter. Think completely think about himself 100%. Yeah, so... That's literally the only character arc he has. And then they set sails for the sky with... A Tink- golden pirate ship. That Tinkerbell has caused to fly. So they fly off and then it strikes 11 and we see Wendy asleep at the um, window. And... Clouds. Yep, her uh, her mother. Actually, I actually just looked this up because I was like, her mother's voice sounds familiar. That's the voice of uh, Alice's sister. Oh, I thought so. Yeah, oh. which is even which is kind of interesting that they brought Alice, the voice of Alice, and the voice of Alice's sister to play mother and daughter. I was actually forgot to mention earlier in the movie they have a, a nice. You could tell they have a nice relationship, Wendy oh, and her yeah. mother. Yeah, like Wendy and her mother actually, you could tell they they genuinely click and connect and oh mother you look beautiful like they're they're like you could and 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 uh, mrs darling seems really pleased like with wendy coming and complimenting her outfit and they talk a little bit and it's like that's that's sweet mm-hmm. and she's actually concerned when wendy is not in her bed and it's like <laughs> john john and michael don't wake up for anything oh oh uh, by the way uh Miss, mr darling during the evening had a change of heart he's back and he seems to he's apologetic and he's actually bringing nana back into the house yeah because that was unfair of him to do so when nana did nothing wrong nana did nothing wrong and uh <laughs> wendy's explaining her adventures and just him going like mary i'm going to bed i'm done with this but he's like yes you can still stay in the nursery i'm like no, give her her own bed. <laughs> well, actually, she says she's ready to grow up. She, she's the one who... So that's the thing. Wendy gains agency, and she says, no, I'm ready. Yeah. After dealing with all this nonsense, I realize that not growing up means you turn into a, a childish punk, and I, I get stuck dealing with racist stereotypes of Native Americans and a bunch of slapstick pirates. And Caddy... Also, Murray. boys are terrible. <laughs> but, but girls are terrible, too. And Caddy Yeah, girls Murray's. are also terrible. Girls are terrible to me, and boys don't care about anybody but themselves. Time to grow up and actually, hopefully, deal with people who are much more mature. And then... Then they see the clouds. 
and then uh, they see a cloud-shaped, or no, sorry, it's a ship-shaped cloud. Against the moon. Against the moon. To Now this confused me. Because there's a point where they, like, uh, the mother sees just like, oh my gosh. And then the dad sees it and he's like, whoa, I remember seeing that as a little boy. I'm like, wait, what? What What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, at the very beginning of the film, they say this story has happened over and over. Oh. This is one time it's happened. It happened before and it will happen again. So basically, yeah. yes, Peter will come and kidnap people. For all we know... Actually, that's that's the interesting thing because it's all about the the you know the sort of youth thing. It's Mr. Darling remembering that he he might have had a similar adventure once. If you want to be really literal, maybe he was visited by Peter Pan as a boy and he just forgot. Yeah, possibly. Maybe. And cycles. Then, it's all about cycles. And we end, and with the you can fly reprise reprise and and movie. And, uh, I'm okay with it. What an adventure. (laughs) The movie's okay. Uh, There's parts I really like, and then there's parts I really dislike. All the parts I really dislike pretty much are the racist stereotype parts. Yeah, but but then there's parts that were bland. Like, the song by Wendy was bland. I Actually, the mermaid scene didn't stick out as much as I would, as you think, either. And then, um, anything with the pirates is great. Basically, if I just watched a whole movie about those pirates, I would have been happy. Is yeah. there, isn't there a, a TV show for kids called yeah. Captain Jake and the Neverland Pirates? Yes, there, there is. you go. It's an entire show about pirates. No. Yeah, but they're pirates who don't steal. Yeah. Another, a good pirate never takes another person's property. Wait, what? I don't think I understand pirates. That's a, that's a slogan from that show. But yeah, for me, it's, it's okay. I, I, I don't think... The animation holds up well. The story, it's hard because it's an adaptation. And this parts, the like not the so much great parts from it are from the are from the original source, so that's a tricky thing. I think it could have like I know now there's a couple of modern adaptations that try to do better. Hook was actually enjoyable. They took out the whole natives altogether, which I think was for the best. Hook is Hook is great. Hook is, Hook, is a, Hook, is a, Hook is a great film. I love Hook. Oh, I do too. Hook is amazing. I Again. Like, great interpretation. Power couple. Dustin Hoffman and, and Bob Hoskins <laughs> as Captain Hook and Mrs. Speed. There's just so much great chemistry between those two characters, no matter what version of this there is. It's great. And yeah. they, also, they also went into it, um, from what I understand, they said, okay, so let's play these two as if we're an old gay couple. <laughs> sense and apparently steven spielberg was really mad about that what that's the best part once again the best part of 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 uh, hook although hook is a phenomenal movie is are the scenes with hook and smee together because they again these two characters have great chemistry and yes they're basically an old gay couple you know mate lottages do did exist in pirate culture (laughs) Which was the idea that two mates would get together and share everything. Everything. <laughs> and it was, there was nothing weird about that. It was a diplomatic thing. Just saying. I wouldn't be surprised if Hook and Smee got into a mate lottage. It's kind of like a marriage. There's no law but the law of the sea. <laughs> and, it, and it's Neverland, so there's no laws at all, so... Never law and Neverland. Exactly. <laughs> 
But, yeah, I mean, in terms of animation, great. It really holds up. The part, the parts of it don't hold up as much. I think it is a great adventure story. It's... I think the, the aesthetic of the movie is almost better than the movie itself. Yeah, yeah, I can agree to that. You know what? Actually, you're right on the money. The aesthetic of it, like, the idea behind it, is amazing. Like, just, the, like, this idea of a, this world of Neverland is amazing. Yes. The story itself, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's all right. It's, it's, it held up, obviously, the entire scene with the natives, putting that aside. The movie held up a lot better than I kind of thought it would be going back to it after many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I still really enjoyed, you know, the, all the slapstick with the pirates was great. Peter's interaction with Hook is really good. Um, the characters all seem to interact fairly well for the most part. And, t- you know, Tinkerbell's great. Oh, yeah. The sl- yeah, uh, the slapstick's really good. The slapstick is amazing in this. I think it would be interesting to see, you know, I'd be curious to see, like, if Mark Davis said, if we would have gone back and redid it, I I would have liked, like, like, let's say they would have taken out the natives altogether, maybe address the whole, well, the, the problem is Peter Pan has been done so many times, and we're trying to look at this movie as, as just its own adaptation, rather than. Right, Exactly. And or as its own movie, and I think yeah, as a movie, like if we just think it's separate from everything else, I think it's okay. Yeah, like yeah, I think there are some parts that don't hold up. Uh, I think the story is okay. I the the characters are good. Like a lot of the characters are actually really good, and the slapstick is amazing, and the animation holds up. But like, I, I mean, I enjoyed Alice in Wonderland. So much more than this film. I'm not gonna lie. I think that was an amazing. Oh, I love Alice. Don't get me wrong. There's just I I can't detach from the the mood of this movie. Like I said, the the aesthetic of this movie is it's phenomenal. And I just I connected with parts of this more than I can. Maybe it's the pirates. Maybe it's just the that that sense of this fantasy. The fan. Maybe it's the difference different kind of fantasy worlds that are explored. Well, you know how I told you, like as a as I got older, I realized there were three fantasy worlds as, like, a kid that people, like, I think kids would gravitate to, at least at a certain age, and I, the three were, A, The Wizard of Oz, yeah, B, Alice in Wonderland, or C, Peter Pan. And for me, I gravitated toward Wonderland, or Alice in Wonderland. Right. That was my jam. So it was easier, like, easier for me to, I guess with this movie, with Alice in Wonderland, I really like it. Peter Pan... I found so many faults in that world right? that it was hard for me. But in terms of its interpretation of the world, like, again, the aesthetic is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's just, like, it, I just think about, like, what would I prefer? A world, uh, a, a very strange world where nothing makes sense? Or a, a, this this island, this tropical island where adventure is around every corner and it's there's swashbuckling and action. And for me... That has an appeal. That's why Neverland really does feel like an escapism kind of thing. For but again, again, I'm a, that's 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 what I like. That's what I enjoy. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, um, what about you guys? 
Um, I, I, I always loved Peter Pan fighting with Captain Hook. Uh, any sort of, um, yeah, like swashbuckling as a kid was something uh, I, I ate up. I absolutely adored that. I mean, that carried it into my adult life when I started to take up fencing. So uh-huh. it's, um, it's definitely one of those things. Of, that definitely made an impact on me as a kid. And, yeah, going back to watch it again, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, cringed a lot during certain scenes. But apart, again, putting those just completely aside, I still quite really enjoyed it. Yeah, I sort of don't know what, like, watching, looking back on it, I'm, I'm looking like, you know, my favorite parts aren't the parts with Peter Pan. So I don't know what really attracted me to it as a child. <laughs> I think it's less Peter Pan itself and rather the world around Peter Pan. Yeah. I'd say that's uh I'd say that's true. Peter's world is interesting and and Peter is an interesting figure to play with in a in a mythology. And and a lot of people have. So that's I think I think we're kind of at a certain point I think we've kind of exhausted sort of the topic, but honestly, this has been a lot of fun and I want to say Thank you both for joining us for this episode. Yeah, thanks very much for having us on. Glad to. Uh, If we end up doing Return to Neverland, and I think we should, um, just because um, I'd be really interested to see how that explores the Peter Pan mythos. Well, we're also and I I have seen it before. It's just been years. Um, I've also agreed to have them come back for Robin Hood as well. Oh yes, okay, excellent. Uh, Uh, Wear the same costume. Yeah, basically. And there's definitely the the crocodile looks the same. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. What's our but what's uh, what's the what is the next month going to offer us? Uh, our next movie is actually Lady and the Tramp. Oh. Which, I, you know, this is. I, I I'm interested. In, I'm interested to see how this goes. I haven't seen Lady and the Tramp in ages. This should this will be fun. Yeah, I'm excited for this. All right. So tune in next time as we do. Um, Lady and the Tramp. But before we go, I want to give, again, thank Alex and Heather for joining us. And hey, is there anything the two of you would like to share with our listeners? Anything you'd like them to uh, look at? Any plugs you'd like to make? Uh, nothing that I have in particular. I can't think of anything either. I don't, I don't have much of an internet life. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Is that purring sound I'm hearing, though, a plug? No, oh, that is the cat. Oh, that is Marshmallow. She decided to come over and sit immediately in front of the microphone and purr loudly. We are plugging Marshmallow. All right, we'll plug Marshmallow. Plug Marshmallow, for she is good kitty. Oh, Aww. good kitty. Good kitty. And I'm just going to plug what I usually do. If you like what I what I do, and if you're not following this podcast, you can follow us at bedviewnetwork.com slash animusings. Uh, that is our home base of operations. You can follow us at animusings on Twitter, and you can send us emails at... at animusingspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I would suggest going through Twitter. Twitter is usually the better one. And that's at Animusings Pod. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it right. Um, also, if you like uh, the other things I do, like there's I do a lot of other podcasts. Obviously, there's Midnight Marinara, Undercooked Analysis, and I've done a few other shows with the Benview Network over the years. Uh, if you want to check out some of the stuff Kayla's done, uh, she is a, a co-host on a few podcasts. Uh, uh, well, a lot for Creative Horror Network. So we, um, I, both David and I have started the Creative Horror Network. So Yeah. 
that'll fun stuff uh, is fun stuff there. So uh, feel free to check us check out our podcast there at creativehorror.com. Uh, as well as several of the other podcasts on that network, including uh, Trick or Track, uh, The Witching Hour. You can hear us both on Darkly Lit. Um, and we're, we're, we'll have more episodes of that at some point, I'm sure. Uh, there we have a new podcast coming out called uh, Creepy Cooking Staff. And I'm actually going to be on uh, one of them soon. That's right. You'll be in the, the premiere episode. Correct. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody. And until next time, uh, never smile at a crocodile because you can't get friendly with a crocodile. But the crocodile from this one is like a doggy. Oh, that's right. Time to Here, boy. Here, crocodile. He's looking for a handout. Reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinara podcast is here for you, intrepid listener. We sample only the finest and sinister stories and, quoting them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as airy audio dramas. Tune in as Midnight Marinara sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.